Well, good morning. <clears throat> For those of you um, who don't know, my name is Lee. I'm Lee Black. I'm married to Shane. And he's the revivalist that teaches on family. Shane and I have been married for almost, well, no, no, now it is 20 years. Wow. <laughs> We've been married for 20 years. And I remember we talked this, this week about um, when I was younger, 20 years, it seemed like forever. Um, but now it just seems like a blink of an eye. It just flies by. So we have been married for 20 years, and we have 10 children. And uh, a lot of people think that that is... I'm pretty impressive. Um, some people think it's crazy, and they don't mind telling me <laughs> that they think it's crazy. Um, but uh, my parents used to say, when I was younger, you never get a, a second chance to make a good first impression. And I always like to make a good first impression. I don't always do so well at it. Um, but I, uh, I think about Genesis 1-1, where we are first introduced to the name Elohim the all-powerful one or the creator. Now, um, you have a sheet on your table with the names of God that I will be discussing today. If you would like to take notes on that, feel free. <clears throat> it will give you the name, uh, the pronunciation, and the meaning of the name. So they, those are there for you if you wish to use them. Now, Elohim, the all-powerful one or the creator, <clears throat> in Genesis 1-1, it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That is a good first impression. And obviously, I have never created something out of nothing, but I do want to share for you today the story that God created for us <clears throat> and how he has worked in uh, our family for his glory. My purpose today is to share the awesome hope and love that we have in Adonai, which is a name for God that means Lord and Master. When we acknowledge God as sovereign and our Master, we, view, we are able to view ourselves as less and view God as greater, which is the way that it should be. <clears throat> and growing up, I did not have this view of God as being greater. I was very careful to be the good girl, to always make good grades, never get into trouble or cause arguments or have any reason to make my um, parents angry with me. And I remember my parents fighting about the time I turned six, and because of the fighting between them and their repeated threats and attempts at suicide by one of them, um, I became increasingly fearful. And the fighting continued until um, well into my teenage years, and my parents divorced for the final time. I lived with my mother because I was told that my father um, did not want me or have time for me. And I could not figure out what I had done to make them so angry or to be so unlovable. And after years of being afraid to leave for school or activities or afraid to have friends over, um, I was a very angry and untrusting, lonely girl. When I went away for college, I purposed in my heart to be different. And so I changed my name, I changed my habits, I changed my attitude, I changed everything um, about myself. 
And um, when I got to college, I was still plagued by nightmares um, about home and feelings of being inadequate and unlovable. So in my sophomore year of college, I began to experiment with um, tobacco and alcohol and drugs and immoral relationships to try to help escape the memories, sleep through the nightmares, or um, just feel lovable. And since I could not find anyone or anything to fill this void, I became uh, even more angry and um, very cynical and an accomplished liar. I graduated college, uh, became uh, even more reckless, and I met someone and began a relationship. And when I found out that I was pregnant, he was very angry, and um, he said that I had made a great mistake and he would have to fix it and he decided that an abortion was the best choice and so I agreed and when we went to the clinic he took me to a clinic and after it was over he took me home deposited me at my apartment and told me to never contact him again I was ashamed and irritated with myself for being so foolish and unlovable yet again And I was broken and alone, but in my independence, I rose up in anger, defiance, and I was determined to never be hurt again or trust anyone again. And so a few years later, when I met Shane, I was very bitter and hateful, and I was convinced that I was unlovable, and this was matched by my attitude and my actions. Now, it was an effective tool at keeping people at a distance, which I had done for a very long time, but Shane was super charming. And um, so I couldn't help but want to trust him. And uh, a few years later, we were married in a somewhat unconventional ceremony, which I believe he has mentioned if you've been there, where I refused to say all of the vows. I had them take out to honor and obey because I felt like it would somehow protect me from further harm. And so the pastor or the preacher agreed to my terms, Shane agreed to my terms, and our marriage disaster began. Um, I very quickly adopted the idea that Shane was my rescuer, um, he was my savior, and the one that made me lovable. Fast forward two years to the birth of our first child, Samuel Elliott, and this was to be the trial that brought me to my knees. Samuel was born at 333 on June 28th in 1997, and the doctor said that he would probably not live through the night. I was told to pray Psalm 91 over him. Um, I did not own a Bible, and I did not, um, had not really ever read the Bible, so I didn't know what I was getting into. But someone gave me a Bible at the NICU, and I began to read Psalm 91 over him several times throughout the day, throughout the night, fully expecting it to be a magical potion that would save his life and make everything okay. Um, And Samuel did survive that first night and 34 more after that. And Shane and I really feel like this time in our life was meant to destroy our our already weak marriage, but I believe, as does he, that God used this time in our life um, to make me his own. 
I did not understand Psalm 91 until years later. <clears throat> but God used this psalm to prepare my heart for his gospel. Samuel died in my arms on Friday, August the 1st, and I came face to face with the realization that I needed something that I could not do on my own. I was not independent and strong and self-sufficient or all-knowing. Um, I was confused and alone. I was broken and scared of everything. I needed rescuing again, and Shane was just as devastated as I was, so he was not in a position to rescue me. And so I began to search for answers, answers to why Samuel had to die and why everything was suddenly so fragile and temporary and broken. And somewhere in that dark time of searching, feeling like it was my punishment and trying to um, just find the strength to take another breath, God began to whisper Psalm 91 to my heart. And um, I'm not going to read the entire psalm, but I do want to share verses 1 through 4 with you. Psalm 91, verses 1 through 4 say, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly pestilence, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. And it would be several years later, as I said, before I understood this, but at some point I started to dig into that, those four verses um, and just take apart the meanings and the definitions of the words. And I wrote in my journal, in my own words, what this um, psalm and I wrote, if you sit down and inhabit the shelter or the hiding place of the supreme God of the universe, you will be able to rest in the shadow of the Almighty or most powerful. I will tell God he is my shelter from danger of falsehood. He is my protector when the enemy attacks. I feel safe with him. I have confidence in him. He snatches me away from sin and guilt. He rescues me from the source of calamity the bait layer, the trapper. He gives me an escape from the mischievous, engulfing ruin and destruction. He will screen or block me with his wings of protection, and in them I will find confidence and hope. His faithfulness or stability is my protector. Shortly after Samuel's death, a neighbor shared the gospel with me, the story of Jesus. He told me, and explained that God was holy and perfect, and I was not. I was a sinner, and I needed someone to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could spend eternity with God. Jesus was the someone who paid this great debt for me, and the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of falling short or sin is death. I deserve death for the lies I have told. The things I had stolen, the murderous acts I had committed, abusing God's name, dishonoring my parents, worshiping idols, committing adultery by giving myself to someone other than my husband, and the list continues. My friend was telling me that I could be adopted, heir to a throne, and stand before a holy God without shame. 
all based on the merit and act of someone other than myself. Hagoel is Hebrew for God the Redeemer. God names himself our Redeemer in Isaiah 60, 16. Then you will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. <clears throat> Hagoel is whispering, be still, let me cleanse and restore you. Over the next three years, I struggled with learning to trust God and believe that he would love someone like me. I counted days, and I marked the calendar, and I begged God for another child. No results. And it was during this time, on one occasion, in my frustration, I began to cry out to God, <clears throat> literally crying and just yelling. Um, and in my frustration, I experienced an overwhelming feeling of just needing to be quiet and still. It was as if he was asking, do you trust me? And it was at that moment that I stopped and I said out loud, Lord, I quit. I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. I can't. I want to trust me. Show me how. <clears throat> I was covered with a peace and a calm that I had never experienced before. And Yahweh Shalom tells us the Lord is our peace. And this does not mean we will experience an absence of trials or heartaches. It cannot be produced by us. And when we rest in him, he is the only one that can stop the storm inside of us. So when you feel out of control, cry out to the God of peace, the one who keeps watch over our souls. Philippians 4, 7 tells us that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts <clears throat> and our minds in Christ Jesus. Some months later, we found out that we were pregnant with Grace Ann. Um, who is now 14. After Grace was born, Life Action Ministries came to our church in Dothan, Alabama, and God used them to radically change our family. We learned about parenting and marriage and the biblical roles of a husband, as wife, husband and wife as designed by God. I realized with their teaching that I was not a submissive wife and did not treat Shane with respect as the leader of our family, and that although I had asked God's forgiveness for the sins that I had committed, <clears throat> I had not sought forgiveness from those I had sinned against. I spent the next several weeks finding people to seek their forgiveness and to pay restitution for acts that I had done before. I had to seek out the man I had a relationship with and ask him for his forgiveness for the part that I played in killing our child. I called in a past employer to explain that I had stolen from them and I wanted to seek forgiveness and pay restitution. I sought Shane's forgiveness for not being pure when I married him and for eliminating the wedding vows to honor and obey, for not treating him with respect. And it was almost five years later, because I'm a slow learner, that we went to a marriage conference in South Africa where we were supposed to share um, our testimony and we renewed our vows there. We Actually, I wouldn't even call it renewing it. We did them over so that we, I could do them correctly. And I put back into honor and obey. And it's been a slow process, but God has been so faithful in teaching me how to respect Shane and to submit to God by submitting to my husband. The name Yahweh Rafa means the Lord who heals. Our God is a rebuilder and a restorer. 
<clears throat> and he began to rebuild and restore our marriage. He turns our weaknesses into strengths, our defeats into victories, tragedies into triumphs, through his power over our circumstances. And in 2001, I experienced an ectopic pregnancy which ruptured and badly um, damaged the right fallopian tube. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. I don't know what this is. In 2002, Lindsay was born. And in 2003, I experienced two more ectopic pregnancies, one of which ruptured and badly damaged the left fallopian tube. The doctors told us that there was so much damage done that we would not be able to have a successful implant or pregnancy ever again. And Shane and I have long since turned our family over to the Lordship of Christ. And um, so when I became pregnant a few months later, we were surprised and excited, and um, our doctor was a little confused. <laughs> Now, El Shaddai, or all-powerful, El means mighty, and Shaddai is sometimes translated as God Almighty. I'm reminded of Sarah from the book of Genesis. And she was a little bit older than me. But El Shaddai is not confined by time, space, or even age. He is not bound by the physical realm. He kept his promise to give her a son, even a son in her old age. So is there anything that you are facing right now that just seems so overwhelming or too big? I would encourage you to cry out to El Shaddai. Margaret was born in early 2004. And if you are counting, that is five pregnancies in a little over three years. Three of them being ectopic, and so they only lasted an average of um, probably around 12 to 14 weeks. And so my hormones were so skewed at that point that after Margaret was born, um, postpartum depression threatened to swallow me up. It was so overwhelming. And I was having thoughts of suicide. Shane was afraid to leave me to go to work. And so after a while, the doctors put me on antidepressants, which actually did more harm for me than good. And, um, and so that was a very dark time in our life. But... Um, the antidepressants, even though they were very harmful for me, it really didn't matter because I had to be taken off of them several months later because we found out we were pregnant again. And um, after Emma Kate was born, uh, the doctors were just speechless. I don't think they even ever mentioned again, um, never. And so it became a very effective um, tool for us to share with our doctors and nurses just the power and the greatness of the God that we serve. Um, now, after Emma Kate was born, the postpartum depression set in once again, and my childhood nightmares returned. And for some reason, I just felt an overwhelming need to go and see my, um, my father, and so I went to ask him some questions. And it was during this time that God restored some of the lost time and began to build a relationship between my dad and myself. But I was still confused about what was truth and what was a lie. And um, so, again, there I was in the middle of nightmares, and that is when I met the God who sees. El Rai, he sees our heartache. 
like Hagar, I get lost in the circumstances and I forget God's faithfulness. I forget how he's been in the past. And I give up. Um, just like Hagar was sitting in the desert fully expecting. She had been sent away, her and her son, and she was fully expecting them to just die. She sat him there expecting him to die of thirst when the Lord came and showed her a well of water. And God has to remind me that he has given me living water. He has won the victory through Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is the way and the life. He is the author of truth. Everything in my life to that point in the past, I could not change it. I was not labeled by it. And my past was not my identity. The choices I make are mine. They do not have to reflect anything but him. I can make choices based on what others have done to me, or I can make choices based on my identity in Christ. Over the next two years, I would have two more children. One was an emergency C-section due to a ruptured placenta, and the other was a scheduled C-section, and then God closed my womb. It was at the time of our last child's birth that God began burdening me with a desire to sell everything. And I was feeling like possessions as well as busyness of life was getting in the way of my relationship with God. And I just wanted to get rid of everything so that I could draw closer to God. Shane had preaching invitations at the time and they were increasing and we had been approached by several churches um, to be interim pastor. Uh, I believe God was using those times to make us more dependent on him. They never did work out. Um, we were learning complete surrender. At times I would find myself so frustrated and fearful of the unknown um, that I would lash out in anger. But I did not live by myself anymore. I lived with six small children who didn't understand why someone was supposed to love them so much, was constantly yelling at them in anger and frustration when they broke something or spilled something or woke the baby or just simply interrupted my schedule. I realized God was taking me back to childhood fears that I had run from and never dealt with. And over the next year, I would find myself in several circumstances where God was putting me in what seemed like unstable circumstances to teach me a new dependence on him. Yahweh Nasi means the Lord is my banner. In biblical times, a banner could be any number of things made of wood or metal, and it stood for a victory won. Sometimes carried on a flagpole into battle as a symbol of confidence in a battle already won before it is finished. And looking to God as Yahweh Nasi means that he is the source of power in our lives. He has won the victory. He's your deliverer. He's my deliverer in times of trouble and need. No matter what battle you face, God is our victory. We all need something stable to remind us what is reality and what um, decisions to make in life. Not only that, but it needs to be an objective standard that is separate from our emotions, our thoughts, and our desires. Shane often tells me that logic 
or reason and emotion cannot occupy the same space. No matter how hard I try to stuff both of them in the box, <laughs> reason and emotion cannot occupy the same space. And our standard in this confusing, chaotic, sometimes emotional world is Yahweh Nasi. In September of 2010, I told Shane I wanted to sell everything, and God had been laying some of the same things um, in his heart, just speaking those. And he told me that Life Action was coming back to our area again at a different church, and we decided to attend those meetings, completely expecting God to do another radical work as he had done in early 2000, making our family more like him. And I attended... um, the, light, the ladies' luncheon, and I was listening to the speaker, and I was listening to God, and it was during that time that God gently captured my heart about the way that I spoke to my children. <clears throat> he asked me to seek their forgiveness, and I took them home, and I asked them to sit on a bench that we had in our foyer, and they were all lined up across the bench. Josh was, he was still in an infant seat, so he was sitting in his carrier, there on the end, and I explained to them that I had sinned against God and I had sinned against them when I spoke to them in anger and yelled at them. I washed each one of their feet and I prayed over them and I asked them individually for their forgiveness. And they were so quick and so gracious to offer a beautiful picture of forgiveness, of the way that God responds to us when we come to him with humility and brokenness. I told them I was so wrong to treat them that way. And as we moved on from that, I wish I could tell you that I was free completely from from anger and yelling, but it has been a process. Um, again, that God has been so faithful in, but a constant battle that I need to cry out to God for help in. He led me to Colossians 3 and the truth that says, because I have been raised up with Christ, I should set my mind on things above, not on things of the earth. That I am hidden and protected with Christ in God, and I am to put away all anger, wrath, and abusive speech. Colossians goes on to tell me that I am chosen of God, <clears throat> and that I should put on a heart of compassion, humility, kindness, gentleness, and patience. And God gives me the strength to do this and to seek my children's forgiveness as well as anyone else that I sin against. And I have noticed over the years a joy in my weaknesses because I get, to, I get the opportunity to share with my children that, number one, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. Number two, God is a God of forgiveness. And number three, no one can do it on their own, not even mommy. We all need Jesus to help us live this life that he has called us to live in community. Yahweh Kadash means the Lord my sanctifier. Sanctification is defined as the process by which the Holy Spirit shapes us into more holy and Christ-like people. Reverend Billy Graham says it's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. Yahweh Kaldash empowers us with his presence to set us apart for his service. We have absolutely no holiness or righteousness apart from him. 
And when we are actively growing in sanctification and allowing him to lead us deeper into his divine grace, then we will shine the hope of Christ to those around us. We just need to remember that God is not done with us yet. Now, as I begin to um, dig further into the names of God, El Elyon, which is the Hebrew for the Most High God, we honor God as El Elyon when our affections for him and his ways are prioritized above all else and everything in our lives. Above all the details, the activities, the choices that we make, the decisions, all of that is prioritized around him, that he is first. He is to be preeminent in our lives because he is supreme. There should be nothing above him or beyond him. And when we do this, the rest of our lives fall into place. When we interact with our Father as God Most High, we fully entrust our plans, desires, families, homes, lives, everything to His will. Psalm 57, 2 says, I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. Now, when we buried our son Samuel, neither one of us, Shane and I, neither were Christians. And this is what we placed on his grave marker. God, make my life a little light within the world to glow a little flame that burns bright wherever I may go. Do you think God had a plan and a purpose for his short little life? Do you think God has a plan and a purpose for your life? Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13 tells us, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God does not want to hide from you. He wants you to know him and his ways, his plans for your life. He wants to draw you near to him to make you more like his son. I would challenge you today to cry out to him, to search for him, as the scripture says, with all your heart and pray to him and he will hear you. Will you call upon him today? Cry out to him for whatever situation you are in. I would challenge you to look over that list of names, and if there is one name that God has been speaking to your heart through this time, that you would prayerfully ask the Lord what it is that he wants to do in your life. The team is gonna come and sing a song, and then we're gonna hear from Miss Patty Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate all of you.